Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Dear friends, hello from Keep the Faith Ministry. We are thankful for all that the Lord has done and continues to do to keep the message going out. We are still growing at about 200 new subscribers per month, and it seems that more and more people are finding out about the important messages for the end times from Keep the Faith Ministry. I'm so thankful that you're able to hear this message. Due to the dramatic increase in postage costs earlier this year and other increasing expenses, it is important for us to be sure that all our subscribers still want to receive their free monthly sermons. So the time has come for us to renew your subscription. Please send back the renewal card inserted in your package this month. You must send it back to us by December 31, 2007, or we will cancel your subscription. If you are a new subscriber since January 1, 2007, you are not required to resubscribe until next time. But it would be still a good idea, just to prevent any inadvertent cancellation. Please use the envelope included in your packet to return the card. Remember, our subscriptions are always free. There is no charge or obligation except to resubscribe occasionally. Keep the Faith Ministry is a faith ministry supported by the free will gifts of God's people. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. This month we have an amazing revelation to study in light of fulfilling prophecy. How is America becoming the beast that speaks as a dragon? We are going to look at what is going on behind the scenes to lead the United States to become a persecuting nation. I recently read an interesting article in Zenit, the Vatican's internet news agency, concerning the first visit of President Bush with Pope Benedict XVI on Sabbath, June 9, 2007. Zenit did an interview with Ambassador Rooney, the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican prior to the president's visit. Here is an excerpt from it. Zenit reported that the ambassador said that the United States and the Holy See are going down parallel paths in many important areas. Those important areas mean much in light of prophecy. Revelation 13 tells us that there is a parallel path to persecution of God's people on which the two nations are collaborating. But before we go any further, let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, it is a great privilege to be your people in the last days, but we are so far from what you want us to be. I pray that you will today help us realize the importance of the hour in which we live. As we take a look behind the scenes in world events, I pray that you will help us sense that the end is near. May your Spirit rest on us each one, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let us turn in our Bibles once again to Revelation 13. Speaking of the two-horned, lamb-like beast, the Scripture says in verse 12 that he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. In order for this to happen, there has to be an alignment between the United States and the papacy. This alignment has been a long time in the making, and most of it has been secretly developed and matured in the halls of power where most common citizens have no access. Most of the efforts of Rome to manipulate the United States into a position of alignment with her have been done without the knowledge or the consent of the American people, or for that matter, the consent of the citizens of any nation where Rome or its agents are at work. Notice, too, that the United States exercises all the power of the first beast, the same power that Rome had during the Dark Ages when she was master of Europe. America was established on vastly different principles than Rome. America doesn't know by nature how to exercise all the same power as the papacy, but America is in school, and she is learning and learning fast. She is taking very good notes in the lessons that she is getting, and she is putting them into practice. Since the September 11, 2001 attacks, America has been implementing the same principles that were used in the Inquisition, which gave Rome enormous power and control. The only way that America can exercise the same sort of power that Rome used in the Dark Ages is when she implements Rome's principles in the land of the free. These changes we have documented in many of our sermons over the last few years, but now we dig a little deeper. These changes could not have happened unless there was a change in the mentality of Americans toward the, its constitution and toward Rome. How did this happen? What was the cause of the dramatic change in the perspective of the American people so that now they are prepared to allow the United States to become the beast power that will soon exercise all the power of Rome? This is dramatic and it is important. The alignment between Rome and the United States is significant. There is so much alignment that America actually forces all people to worship the Pope and the papacy. Notice the extent of the alignment at the end of time. Revelation 13 verse 15 says, And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. America is prophesied to become a persecuting power. It is not difficult to understand in the light of recent events in which prisoners, even American citizens, have been subjected to torture in secret prisons, without access to attorneys for several years, and without many other constitutional protections that we have come to expect. In 2006, we got a glimpse of something that opened my eyes to things I did not know could be documented. Condoleezza Rice, the Secretary of State, had been doing very much to undermine the U.S. Constitution, the highest law of the land, and replace it with inquisitional justice for terrorist suspects. In May, 
she received an honorary law degree from Boston College, a prestigious Jesuit institution. The symbolic gesture revealed the Jesuit hatred of the U.S. Constitution. This insult to the U.S. Constitution revealed to me that there are many things going on behind the scenes of which we are unaware. Once in a while we can see a small piece of it that pops up on the surface. The hidden agenda of Rome can be occasionally seen if you are paying attention. What is the hidden agenda of Rome? The Roman Church is far-reaching in her plans and modes of operation, says the book Great Controversy, page 565. She is employing every device to extend her influence and increase her power in preparation for a fierce and determined conflict to regain control of the world, to reestablish persecution, and to undo all that Protestantism has done. Catholicism is gaining ground on every side, See the increasing number of her churches and chapels in Protestant countries. Look at the popularity of her colleges and seminaries in America, so widely patronized by Protestants. This prophetic testimony should be a warning to all of us that Rome's agenda is to increase her power to the point where she can enforce her canon law on the people of the United States and any nation that is not already a Catholic nation. The Vatican is becoming very important to the United States President. In discussing the upcoming meeting between Benedict XVI and President Bush on June 9th of this year, Ambassador Rooney said, This visit is a tangible reflection of how important the Holy See is to the United States and to the President. The most direct and tangible way to show the interest of the President is a presidential visit, he said. The President has done many things that relate to the values that the Holy Father and the Holy See support and nurture. That is what the Ambassador said about the importance of the Vatican to the United States. But note how important the United States is to the Vatican. The President has done much through the seven years of his presidency so far to help the Vatican gain much influence and power in the United States. After the meeting between Benedict XVI and President Bush, we learn from CNN that the President was awed by the Pope. I was talking to a very smart, loving man, Bush said of his first talks with Benedict, said CNN. After six and a half years of being a President, I've been to some unusual places and met some interesting people, and I was in awe. Bush told a joint news conference in Rome with Italian Prime Minister Romano Prati, It was a moving experience for me. Perhaps the love that President Bush spoke about helped him to ignore the danger signs that should have beat in his Methodist heart when meeting with a very smart Pope. My guess is that the Vatican gained more from this meeting than did the United States by far. Remember, the Pope views himself as if he were above the other rulers of the world. For example, Vatican etiquette dictates that the Pope wears white and perhaps some red or scarlet, while others wear penitent black. The Pope gave President Bush a drawing of St. Peter's Basilica and an official Vatican gold medal, 
two symbolic gifts related to the Vatican's religious and civil nature. President Bush responded by giving the Pope a Moses walking stick with the Ten Commandments carved on them. Imagine that. The Ten Commandments, including the Fourth Commandment, carved on the Pope's new walking stick. I wonder if this is a portend of the future conflict that is coming between God's church and the powers involved in this exchange of gifts over the Sabbath. It is ironic that the two men desecrated God's holy Sabbath day by meeting for political business. We also learned that one of the items that the two men discussed was immigration in the United States. Rome wants more immigrants from Catholic nations to come into the United States as this is in her political interests. CNN reported that President Bush said that Benedict was watching the U.S. immigration debate intently. President Bush has worked hard to establish an immigration law that would provide a track to citizenship, as he calls it, for foreigners that come into America illegally. Of course, we must understand that this means a track to Catholic votes. Rome has consistently sent Catholic immigrants into America since its beginning, knowing that this would increase Rome's power in the United States. Now she is doing it again. But immigration is only one area of cooperation. The president has opposed gay marriage, embryonic stem cell research, and has worked to set up a means of undoing the abortion laws in America. As a rule, he has generally opposed anything that the church does not publicly want, with the notable exception of the war in Iraq, and has supported most things that the church endorses. While many of these things are good, such as his opposition to gay marriage and abortion, these are key distinctive issues that Rome champions, which are greatly helping to align the Vatican and the United States. The administration is cooperating very effectively. The president has also very often appointed Catholics to positions of great responsibility, such as when he elevated Alberto Gonzalez, whose judicial philosophy is far more inquisitorial than it is constitutional, to the position of attorney general of the country or when he elevated Roman Catholics John Roberts and Samuel Alito to the Supreme Court, which gave the court the first Catholic majority in its history, or when he elevated General Michael Hayden, a Roman Catholic from Pittsburgh, to head the CIA, and many others. He regularly meets with officials of the Catholic Church, especially those in the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. He attends Catholic prayer breakfasts, opposes euthanasia, and the list goes on and on. What is going on behind the scenes? Why is the Catholic Church gaining such enormous credibility and influence in the halls of power in the USA? Could it be that there are some things going on that we don't know about or to which most people aren't paying attention? The rather revealing statements of Ambassador Rooney though general in nature, tell us that there is a strong cooperation between the U.S. and the Vatican, especially in areas that are important to the Vatican. Revelation 13 tells us that this is inevitable, prophetically, in order to bring about the fulfillment of the verses that say that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Rome and the dragon who is behind Rome. Recently, the U.S. Congress 
has changed hands from a Republican-controlled Congress to a democratically-controlled Congress. But there is another changing of hands taking place that most people don't see. The U.S. Congress is gradually being taken over by the Jesuits. The changeover between political parties took place on January 4, 2007. But the events surrounding it reveal the other, more powerful and very dangerous changeover taking place behind the scenes. The former Republican majority leader of the House of Representatives was John Boehner, a Roman Catholic who was trained in Catholic schools and graduated from Jesuit Xavier University in 1977. Xavier University at Cincinnati, Ohio, according to its website, provides a liberal arts education in the Catholic Jesuit tradition. The university is the third largest independent institution in Ohio, the sixth oldest Catholic university in the nation, and one of 28 Jesuit colleges and universities nationwide, said its website. Boehner had been the highest-ranking Republican lawmaker in American history during his tenure as the Republican majority leader. Rome loved it and trumpeted the news saying in the National Catholic Register that Catholics have suddenly achieved an unprecedented level of ascendancy in Washington. That was February 12, 2006. I should point out before we go further that when speaking of secret societies like the Jesuits, it is important that we document what we say, either by publicly known facts or by prophetic inspiration from the Bible or spirit of prophecy. During the changeover in 2007, John Boehner, with a smile on his face, handed the House gavel to Nancy Pelosi, now the Democratic Speaker of the House, and a Roman Catholic from San Francisco, California. Incidentally, she is the first female speaker of the House in American history. Nancy Pelosi is one of the most influential promoters of the Jesuits in the United States at the moment. Nancy was raised in strongly Catholic Maryland in a strict Roman Catholic home. As a little girl, Nancy wanted to be a priest instead of a nun because there seemed to be a little more power there, she said years later. Nancy was trained in Roman Catholic schools around the city of Baltimore, where her father was the mayor. Then she attended and earned her degree at Trinity College, now known as Trinity University, a Roman Catholic college for women in Washington, D.C. Her husband graduated from Georgetown University, the oldest Jesuit institution in America. Nancy is no stranger to the Jesuits. She was apparently a close friend of Father Robert Drinnen, S.J., who served in Congress from Massachusetts for a decade, 1971 to 1981, as the first priest to be a voting member of the U.S. Congress. While in Congress, Drinnen served on a number of important committees and most prominently on the House Judiciary Committee. Until he died in January of this year, he had been a law professor at Georgetown University for 26 years. Nancy Pelosi delivered the eulogy at his funeral, and the House of Representatives had a moment of silence in his memory. On May 10, 2006, almost a year before Drinnen's death, Pelosi, while Democratic minority leader, 
along with Dennis Hastert, the Speaker of the House at the time, presented the Congressional Distinguished Service Award to Jesuit Father Robert Drennan. Within a year, Nancy Pelosi would become the Speaker of the House. It is significant that these powerful people were honoring a Jesuit for distinguished service to the United States of America. Incidentally, the Speaker of the House is third in line to be the President if something should happen to the President and Vice President. What kind of distinguished service could have been the basis of this award? The Jesuit order was established specifically to work for the overthrow of Protestantism and the reestablishment of the papal supremacy, according to Great Controversy, page 234. That being the case, the distinguished services provided by Robert Drennan would have likely included, along with his well-known humanitarian activities, efforts to overthrow the Protestant-inspired Constitution of the United States, so that the papal principles and papal power can be strengthened and eventually take over. The U.S. Constitution was designed to specifically prevent the rise of Roman Catholic principles in the United States. Dennis Hastert is a Protestant, but obviously he either doesn't understand the issues at stake, or he is in cooperation with Rome to accomplish its purposes. Nancy Pelosi is a Roman Catholic who obviously is courting Jesuit influence. Drennan was forced by Pope John Paul II not to run for office in 1980 for a sixth term in Congress. But hasn't Robert Drennan opened the way for Catholics to enter into the U.S. political system more effectively? After ten years of serving in our U.S. legislature, after receiving the highest congressional award, after shaping the minds of many current members of Congress during his 26 years at Georgetown University, and after receiving the highest judiciary award, the American Bar Association Gold Medal, and after gaining the respect and admiration from our policymakers at the highest levels of the U.S. government, wouldn't this greatly reduce any fears in the minds of voters, or the lawmakers themselves, of voting for or working with other Catholic legislators? Incidentally, it happens that in the present Congress, 22 out of 54 Jesuit-trained members were trained at Georgetown. This is almost 41% of them. Georgetown has a huge influence on Congress. You don't need a lot of Jesuit-trained Catholics to leaven the whole Congress, especially when 30% of Congress is already Roman Catholic and who are expected to act consistent with church teaching in formulating the laws of the land. On January 4, 2007, just before he died, Robert Drennan, S.J., said a mass for Nancy Pelosi just before she was sworn in as Speaker of the House. This gesture is significant. Nancy Pelosi asked Drennan to commit her term as Speaker of the House to the Church. During that mass, he said, God has great hopes for what this nation will do in the near future. We are here at the inaugural Mass for Nancy Pelosi, to ask for the courage to carry out God's hopes and aspirations, he said. What was he referring to when he said that God has great hopes for what the United States will do in the near future? What near future? And how near in the future? 
Remember, this is a Jesuit speaking. Somebody who knows. Could something very significant for the Roman Catholic Church be about to happen in the near future in relation to the United States of America? What does he know that the rest of the nation doesn't know? We know that the coming of Jesus is in the near future, and that will be a significant event. Rome will tremble in fear. But I don't think that's what Robert Drinan was referring to. Revelation 13 tells us that America will deceive the whole world by miracles. Maybe Robert Drinan was referring to the miracles that America will be able to do in the sight of the beast. Here is the 14th verse. Referring to the second beast, or the United States of America, it says that he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. When did the beast get a wound by the sword? That was in 1798, when French Revolution inspired Napoleon's General Berthier, entered the Vatican and took the Pope captive, and sent him into exile. But Rome survived that deadly attempt at its power, and has slowly been rebuilding it all along. Could Robert Drinan have been referring to the persecution that America will soon impose on God's people? Here it is, the 15th verse and onward. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name." Perhaps Robert Drinan knew what is planned for God's people. Perhaps he was aware of that which hardly anyone, including many in God's church, realizes, that there is coming a Sunday law to enforce all to worship on Rome's Sunday instead of God's holy Sabbath day. It is when the law of the land enforces Sunday observance that Sunday worship becomes the mark of the beast. Rome changed the Sabbath in the 4th century onward, officially, and required all nations, tongues, and people in the Holy Roman Empire to worship on her day, or she persecuted them wherever she could. Now tracking alongside Rome, as Rome restores the Holy Roman Empire, the United States is setting up the mirror image of the beast. Little by little, step by step, America is preparing to enforce the dogmas of the church on its citizens through the laws of the land. That is why the separation of church and state is so important to the U.S. Constitution. That is why the removal of the wall of separation of church and state is so important to the Jesuits in Rome. That is why Rome wants to get as many Roman Catholics, especially Jesuit-trained Roman Catholics, into the U.S. Congress as possible. That is why Rome is working so hard to remove the principles of liberty in the U.S. that protect freedom of religion, conscience, and faith. Rome is relentless. She keeps up her agenda for generation after generation of lawmakers. Lawmakers come and go, but the papacy continues to press her agenda. Each successive pope and each successive bishop 
continued to pressure lawmakers to support her principles. Most lawmakers approach Congress with their political views the way they are, and they don't see the larger agenda behind the scenes. But many Catholics, and certainly the Jesuits, come to it with a more complete understanding of the goal, so they can maintain the trajectory of their plans until eventually they get them passed. Each new Congress is co-opted by the Jesuits and the bishops to continue the step-by-step process of changing America from its Protestant principles to Roman Catholic ones. The more Roman Catholics in power, the more effective Rome becomes. In her eulogy for Drennan's funeral on February 5, Nancy Pelosi referred to Robert Drennan's sermon at her swearing-in Mass a few weeks before and said, Afterwards, he sent me a letter asking that I put his words in the congressional record, reported the California Catholic Daily on February 5, and I commend his call for peaceful revolution to all of you gathered here today. What is meant by peaceful revolution? Could that have something to do with significant developments in the near future that Robert Drennan spoke about? Could that be referring to a revolution that will change the U.S. Constitution so that religious liberty is eliminated, as the Bible predicts? What does Nancy Pelosi know that the rest of the nation doesn't know? It is obvious that Pelosi and Drennan were working together to accomplish something, something that perhaps is in harmony with the purposes of the Jesuits and the Catholic Church. Pelosi's final sentence in her eulogy for Robert Drennan sounds as if she is speaking to him in heaven. Father Drennan, your statement has been entered in the congressional record, and your message has been heard. What message? Is this a message with instructions for the future? What are Jesuits advising U.S. elected officials? Pelosi has another close friend Jesuit in the president of the University of San Francisco, another Jesuit university. He is Father Stephen A. Privet, S.J. She became acquainted with him when she attended his inauguration as president of the university at the opening of the 110th Congress. Nancy Pelosi asked him to deliver the prayer. The prayer is revealing. He said, We pray that the new leadership of this Congress and all of its members will write into law the story of a country that measures its success by God's standards, reported the University of San Francisco News. Imagine praying a prayer like that in front of the Congress of the United States. What would it mean to make the law of the land measure its success by God's standards? Jesuit Prevet was referring to the Ten Commandments, and specifically to the Sixth Commandment not to kill, when he went on to refer to the weakest and most vulnerable among us. He was obliquely referring to abortion, and was using his prayer as a way to preach to Congress on one of the most important issues to the Catholic Church. Father Prevet is the first Catholic priest to pray before the full session of Congress in American history. Nancy Pelosi is certainly pioneering new ground in her love of the Jesuits. This occasion provided an opportunity for her to introduce more members of Congress to the Jesuits and create friendships that will last long beyond her years in Congress. 
it is another opening for the Jesuits in the United States. Pelosi is very well connected with the Jesuits and obviously collaborates with them. She continues to work in their interests. It happens that the two men who were vying to take Nancy's place as the Democratic majority leader were both Roman Catholics. The winner of the election among the House Democrats was Steny Hoyer. He was also trained in Jesuit schools, in particular at Georgetown University. So let us think about this for a minute. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, the House Majority Leader, Steny Hoyer, and the House Minority Leader, John Boehner, are all Roman Catholics. Do you think that Rome has taken over the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress? Two of these were trained in Jesuit universities, and all three graduated from Catholic institutions where they were no doubt trained in Catholic political thought. The Senate majority and minority leaders at the moment are Harry Reid, a Democrat from Nevada, who is a member of the Latter-day Saints Church, and Mitch McConnell, a Republican from Kentucky, who is a Baptist. Perhaps we will one day see the same kind of developments in the Senate as we now see in the House. Time will tell. It happens that there are quite a number of Jesuit-trained members of the 110th Congress. Of the 535 members, 54 of them, or more than 10%, are graduates or alumni of Jesuit colleges and universities. This is an increase of nearly 15% compared to the 109th Congress, which had 47. Incidentally, 29 of them have been in Congress for more than 10 years. Of them, 8 have been there more than 20 years. As Rome continues to encourage its adherents to run for public office, expect to see more and more Jesuit-trained Roman Catholics in high positions of responsibilities. The spirit of prophecy tells us that the Jesuit order sets for itself the goal of influencing the laws of the land, and I quote, Under various disguises, the Jesuits worked their way into offices of state climbing up to be the counselors of kings and shaping the policy of nations. That is from the book Great Controversy, page 235. Could it be that the United States is now very strongly influenced by the Jesuit order as they have climbed up to be the counselors of kings, presidents, and monarchs the world over, and especially in the United States, the land of liberty? Could the Jesuits be shaping the policies of the United States in its legislative assemblies as they have wended their way into positions of political power? Could there be those in Congress who were trained as Jesuits and though they aren't working openly for the church, they are silently and secretly working for the purposes of the Jesuit order while posing as regular people? Listen to this familiar statement from Great Controversy, page 581. Rome is silently growing into power. Her doctrines are exerting their influence in legislative halls, in the churches, and in the hearts of men. She is piling up her lofty and massive structures in the secret recesses of which her former persecutions will be repeated. Stealthily and unsuspectedly, she is strengthening her forces to further her own ends when the time shall come for her to strike. All that she desires is vantage ground, and this is already being given her. 
we shall soon see and shall feel what the purpose of the Roman element is. Whoever shall believe and obey the word of God will thereby incur reproach and persecution. Is Rome silently strengthening her forces? Is she being given vantage ground? Is she stealthily and unsuspectedly exerting her influence in legislative halls? Could the current developments in Congress be largely a result of the work of the Jesuits in the U.S. Congress, just as prophecy predicts? I hope you can see that this prophecy is being fulfilled right before our unsuspecting eyes. We can catch a glimpse of it if we are paying attention. But I suspect, based on this statement, that there is much more than meets the eye behind the scenes. Is Rome creating secret recesses where she can conduct her former persecutions? Perhaps one day this will come to light, too. On November 3, 2006, Benedict XVI met with the Jesuits in Rome at the Gregorian University, which is the very university that Ignatius Loyola established in 1551, near the very beginning of the Jesuit order. This university is the source and spring of all Jesuit activity. For Protestants to attend and be trained at this university is an amazing denial of their faith. Pope Benedict met with some of the Jesuits that worked there in a private meeting and told them that running this particular university is one of the greatest services the Jesuits perform for the Catholic Church throughout the world and that the Church wants the Gregorian to preserve its Ignatian spirit. The Pope told the students in a public meeting that he hoped their education would help them become people who know how to perform services and fulfill offices competently in the Church, and especially to be leavened for the kingdom of God in the temporal sphere. These statements make it clear to anyone who understands the history of the Jesuits that the Church uses the Jesuits to effect change in the world and in the churches to favor Rome. The word leaven is significant because all Jesuits know that one of their key responsibilities is to work in the temporal world to fulfill the objectives of the Church and the Society of Jesus, to overthrow all that Protestantism has done. The Jesuits are still dedicated to the work of overcoming all opposition to Rome on every front. They are the foot soldiers that Rome uses in its war against God's truth and against the last generation of God's people in history. Are you ready for the final conflict? We can see the marshalling of forces preparing to surprise you with their power. Your life will be in danger if you are faithful to God. Your family... Your friends and acquaintances need to know of the things that are coming upon the world. There is a concerted effort to overthrow your faith in the making. You may think that you are strong now, but wait until you're threatened with death, or wait until you're threatened with torture. Then what will you do? Jesus, the one who died for you, says, I am with you always, even unto the end. Matthew 28, 20. Do you have an experience with Jesus that will help you resist the powers of darkness that are making their assault on this earth and on God's church? You cannot do it. It is impossible for human beings to overcome the powers that are intending to bear down on your person and your soul. You have two choices, 
You can walk with Christ now and remain loyal to Him, and He will walk with you through the furnace of affliction. Or you can stand on the side of Rome and the devil and live in peace with the world, but be at war with heaven. Which will it be, my friends? Which will it be? I pray that you and your family will remain faithful to Jesus Christ. Get under His protection by asking Him to come into your life and give you overcoming power. That is the only way. You cannot survive if you don't overcome your sins by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now is the time. Let us remember that we have a friend in the all-powerful Jesus. He can and will fulfill His promises to give you a life of victory. He can fulfill His promise to give you an eternal destiny with the angels of God in the city of light, the new Jerusalem. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we see the wicked satanic forces building up in our world in such a way that there will appear to be no hope for your people. Yet we know that that extremity is your opportunity to show your power. I pray that every person listening to this message will surrender their lives to Jesus now so that they can prepare for the crisis and the affliction that is coming. I pray that you will open the eyes of the blind, especially among your people, that they may see the signs of the times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
hope you have received a great blessing from this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is Battle Hymn of the Republic, sung by the Heartland College Three Angels Chorale. 